For RCRTV, I'm Sean Kinney, and welcome to HetNet Happenings, where we take a look at all things DAS, Wi-Fi, small cell, and much more. Comscope, thinking beyond today's technology to help you make the best decision for your network and your business. Telecom Careers, the number one global telecom and wireless job board. Telecomcareers.com Register today for the Wireless Infrastructure Show, the premier national event for mobile network solutions. Produced for the industry, by the industry. Welcome back to HetNet Happenings. We're joined in the studio today by the folks from AWS Communications located right here in Austin, Texas. We've got the CEO of the company, Bobby Mack, joining us, and then we've got Dean Vincent. Dean, you're the VP of Operations and Emerging Technologies. So if we could start by Bobby telling us a little bit about your background in the industry and just a little bit about what services AWS Communications offers. Uh, my background, really, in communications started back in the early 90s from just the ISP space, dial-up internet provider, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, was an early adopter. I think certainly think I was an early adopter of wireless in 98, 99. I was in a rural area where there was no broadband offering. There was ISDN was just coming into town. So um, uh, we were in, in that early space where we took wireless, indoor wireless, and forced it outdoors. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of an interesting time then because there, we were mavericks out there taking Walmart ice chests and putting radios at the bottom of building <laughs> rooftops and grain silos and things like that. But that mm-hmm. was the only option for broadband in the uh, uh, in the rural space anyway. Uh, and, and that developed building up, you know, so mainly from the microwave and broadband space. I got involved with uh, AWS Communications, came in as CEO a couple of years ago, and our founder and... Uh, Chief Operating Officer Mike Huerta started the company in 2002 in Central Texas mm-hmm. and was also from the microwave broadband space. He had done some AT&T microwave large wide area networks. Uh, and uh, we have been, for the last couple of years, been working into the DAS vertical. It seemed to be a good fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, our company also does structured cabling and fiber optics and things like that. So. It was a good fit for us being from that RF space and understanding the RF side mm-hmm. as well as the indoor cabling side. DAS was a good fit. And yeah. frankly, I find it exciting to me. Uh, it's, uh, it's, for us, it's a bit of an emerging technology mm-hmm. uh, in the central part of the U.S. anyway. It's not as prevalent as it is maybe on the east and west. So I look at it uh, just about as exciting as it was in those early days of mm-hmm. Wi-Fi, of outdoor Wi-Fi. All right. Just mm-hmm. indoor DAS. And, and Bobby, you're the guy that, that rolls your sleeves up and gets your hands dirty out on the operations side. This Can is you, Dean. Dean, I'm yeah. sorry. Dean Vincent, I apologize. And then, so just give me an idea of what some of your responsibilities with AWS are. Yeah. Um, I came on board uh, actually relatively recently uh, from the West Coast. Uh, I have an extensive DAS, uh, indoor and outdoor DAS experience. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, primarily responsible in uh, working specifically with Sprint and their uh, macro sites, um, keeping them updated and commissioning, so on and so forth. And uh, Bobby and, and found me, um, actually I found him in, as well, and uh, uh, we actually moved our family here recently to be able to um, uh, complete a need that, we, that I saw very prevalent here in Central Texas. Uh, regarding uh, the lack of DAS and public safety. So uh, my primary responsibilities as vice president of operations is to make sure that our crew is 
efficiently, effectively doing what they need to do um, with great efficiency and time mm -hmm. and utmost safety. Safety is our, of course, first and primary goal as we um, build up our productivity and working with large contractors, we need to fit standards. Uh, secondly, the emerging technologies mm -hmm. is the DAS foundation of my experience and implementing that um, into what has already been built through AWS, extending that outdoor and in, uh, macro site experience indoors mm -hmm. um, and um, training those who uh, are new building owners, new contractors, building here in Central Texas and beyond, um, giving them uh, the need, understanding the need that they are going to have a problem if they don't recognize the fact that their cell phone or data is not going to work with these new uh, stru new structures that are coming up, new glass and building structures. Yeah, these distributed antenna systems, really hot topic. I, I think at least three times a week I'm writing a story about upgrades at uh, stadiums or convention centers or hotels, spaces <clears throat> like this. Yeah. Bobby, you mentioned you guys are moving into that vertical. Uh, how do you sort of get that going? I, I know you've got the expertise now, so what's the sort of the next step to developing that? Yeah, for us, is uh, we have a, a significant staff with some experience in uh, – as I said, microwave broadband wireless mm. and structured cabling in general, fiber optic, et cetera. And so the, uh, we've done some significant training and certifications of our staff mm -hmm. with some of the DAS equipment. So we're ready for installations and, and more ready for installations and, uh, uh, and commissioning, that sort of thing. Um, but so what we see as a as low-hanging fruit uh, for us, as Dean had mentioned, there's not a lot of integrators in the central section of the U.S. Mm -hmm. From our experience, it appears that a lot of these guys are flying in crews from East Coast, West Coast uh, to do some of the DAS deployments that are uh, becoming more prevalent here in the state of Texas anyway. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, we make ourselves available to them, to them for subcontracting for uh, some of the testing, some of the RF testing, certainly the installation and commissioning. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we're also going after some of our own. We've been approached by some building owners because we have relationships with a lot of general contractors. So, All right. And then, uh, Dean, in your experience with these indoor and outdoor distributed antenna systems, sort of give me a big picture idea of, of what is, from a deployment standpoint, an engineering standpoint, what's the hallmark of a really successful deployment? And then also, what are some of the challenges that you encounter in the field when you're dropping these systems? Absolutely. I and mean, there are several, too. And um, the experience really is the only way to really learn uh, and discover what is needed to deploy successful DAS. Uh, there are two areas of active and a passive DAS um, deployment that, that are available. Uh, the active DAS is more for the 150,000 plus square foot large high rise buildings. Um, and that's a fiber DAS system. Uh, that's something that is a uh, much heavily more monitored, uh, easily to easier to maintain, much more reliable, less loss, mm -hmm. uh, DB loss. Um, and you can get high wattage outputs into several vendors that provide it. Um, some of the problems that we see, um, and one of the big problems that we see right now is PIM, that's passive intermodulation. Mm -hmm. uh, that's something that is um, is really starting to take the industry, um, put, it, put them on the back burner almost and make sure that they uh, really pay attention to it. It's something that's been around for a long time but has been ignored. And now that they're seeing that need, uh, the, the major suppliers, um, Verizon, Sprint, Nextel, uh, well, next, not, no longer Nextel, Sprint, um, T-Mobile, uh, AT&T, they all are actually stepping up their game and requiring uh, much higher uh, power PIM 
uh, readings. Um, and so that also keeps us accountable as a, uh, not only a distributor, but an integrator, um, holds us accountable to a higher standard of, of commissioning and, and installation as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's one of the other problems. The other problem that uh, I see very prevalent is the lack of uh, attention to public safety first responders. Um, public safety 700-800 uh, has is been around for a long time. Um, it is pretty well used. Uh, VHF, UHF, the ultra low band, um, one, one, 150 to 450, not quite so much, yet the need is absolutely there. And um, we, as AWS, we're here to make sure that we let people know um, the contractors, prime contractors, as well as uh, the building owners that, mm -hmm. you know, um, since 9-11, since Oklahoma City bombings, there's been some, some, um, some major headway needed to take place um, in order to, to provide that. So we're here to educating building owners um, yeah, if on I that could, need. If I could go a little further into that, it, uh, there are several parts of the, of the country where it's required to have public safety DAS mm -hmm. systems in buildings over X size, over five stories, that sort of thing. Um, and as Dean said, primarily since the 9-11 and the first responder issues in there, we're not seeing that in, uh, in great areas of the U.S. Mm -hmm. And so what we see as a niche we want to go after is educating the building owners and the municipalities of the importance of first responder mm -hmm. uh, connectivity inside buildings. Uh, and that also goes into the cell phone space as well. If somebody's having a heart attack in a five-story building or 10-story mm -hmm. building and they can't call 911, that's a real issue. So this is emerging, emerging, and I, I see that driving the DAS market mm -hmm. uh, even even further. The DAS market has gotten some good traction over the last five or six years, but I think it's really going to ramp up based on the public safety requirements. Yeah, and just to sort of you know break that down for the end user, we kind of touched on two dramatically different use cases. One of them, this sort of like. Uh, a big stadium in-building DAS that makes you uh, able to, you know, stay connected while you're in a very crowded space. And then you mentioned the public safety issue. I think it's uh, wasted on a lot of people that when you're making a 911 call from inside a large crowded building, it gets tough to on the operator in to locate where you are. And that's what a, a DAS will to do. Be even able to make even that call. To, even to reach them. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're right. All right, so then I want to uh, circle back a little bit. You mentioned uh, that some of your team members have uh, DAS certifications. Can you give us an idea of what kind of certification uh, you're talking about? We just did a certification training for our staff recently with a, a company named ADRF, which mm -hmm. those in the DAS space have, have heard that. Dean carries some certifications with him. If I could correct me if I'm wrong here, but he's, uh, he's been certified in solid and mobile access and corning. Uh, as well so he's got a variety of experience and uh, understanding of the different platforms mm -hmm. um, I will say that I, what I've seen in the last few months anyway is that there's or perhaps the last year there's a lot of new players getting into the getting into the market we were recently at IB tough uh, the uh, in-building users technology forum here in Austin a few weeks ago and and there were a lot it, it, from my viewpoint, there seem to be a lot of new players in that technology market that are going doing full turnkey systems uh, from end to end in a DAS system. Some of those were people who had been making components in the past and uh, and now are, are doing their entire DAS platform. Uh, ADRF is a good example of that. They used to make just BDAs and some of the smaller components. Now mm -hmm. they have, an, for the last couple of years, they have an entire end to end DAS system. So it's important to us that we, as these 
there's two things that are happening. As these new vendors and new manufacturers come on the market, it's important that we uh, hold those certifications mm. so we can be uh, neutral depending mm. on what kind of equipment we want to integrate. Uh, but it also is, is going to help the business owners and the architects, and this will drive the price down to those, of those pieces of equipment, mm -hmm. similar to the way it did in the wireless broadband market. As more players got in, the cost came down and uh, lowers the barriers to entry. And you mentioned the in-building uh, conference a few weeks ago here in Austin. There was also another big DAS-oriented show a few weeks ago up in Dallas. That's the uh, Tesco One Innovation Showcase. Uh, we had a few RCR folks up there for the show Bobby, I don't think you got to go, but Dean, you got to go, I right? I did, yeah. So w what sort of is the big takeaway you got from getting to you know meet with all of the different vendors and uh, look at sort of the new technology? Yeah, thank you. It was uh, actually it was an impressive show, a little bit smaller than I anticipated. Coming from Ivy Tough, it was a little bit different, uh, mm -hmm. but very, very encouraging to be there. Uh, with uh, As a neutral uh, system, we didn't have specific vendor DAS uh, um, uh, it wasn't DAS critical, it's more of a vendor approach. Uh, I really got to meet a lot of the, the high-end, uh, uh, new high-end products that are coming up being available on the market with 3M and some of the other uh, manufacturers. Uh, also, the, the takeaway that I got was being able to actually walk through the, the DAS, the, uh, the, they have about a 60 sector system in their stadium, um, spending more than I believe is about 60, 60 million dollars wow. on their DAS over a two phase and extending as the technology is starting to converge and, and upgrade and update. Um, they've got quite an extensive um, MIMO DAS system, mm -hmm. uh, several sectors like I mentioned, and it's completely neutral host and owned and operated by the, the center themselves. So a um, lot of issues that they've been having to deal with, of course, having a MIMO system as opposed to a CISO system is the absolutely a very desirable to them and and uh, uh seeing uh reflection issues obviously you have so much metal and so many other mm -hmm. uh things that are moving components with a large amount of users they had quite a challenge uh, but i was very impressed with what they've done uh to be able to keep up up to date uh, one example if i can share it Please. with you uh was uh their their idea of putting this in enormously large screen uh, in the middle of the stadium, something that they they really take pride on, and around this screen is speakers and, mm -hmm. and lights and devices, uh, and this screen goes up and down. Now they do have um, a system that goes around to provide coverage um, inside the stadium. So during special events, they would lower this this down, and when they lowered it, they created so much reflection in the system that. Wow. Carriers would actually have to stop what they're doing, come out and re make their adjustments, almost recommission their system because they lowered it 10 feet. Uh, <laughs> and they couldn't get coverage from one side or the other. Okay. So it was actually quite an intense of a process they need to do they need to go through as they lowered it they had all the carriers come in all of the the integrators come in and make the adjustments needed to provide service as mm -hmm. AT&T and Verizon have very high standards as well as T-Mobile and others um, that they need to provide the best coverage possible so uh, and then of course when that event was over whether it be a concert or a rodeo they would raise that back up scrambling everybody to get in for the <laughs> next event so it was a uh, very very impressive um, not only from that but also from the aesthetic standpoint they split put several hundreds of thousands of dollars to um it's to cover up it's yeah. literally invisible it's absolutely mm -hmm. they had a lot of carbon fiber and fiberglass coverings that they put over the antennas um and the remotes 
uh, in the field where you virtually really had to look for them to be able to find them. So uh, very, very uh, impressive system that they did. And they did a very quick turnaround and mm-hmm. spent more money than probably any of us will ever see in a lifetime. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I'll put in a, a shameless plug here for our uh, RCR YouTube channel. Uh, we've got a lot of video that our editor, Joey Jackson, took from the Tesco show. So anybody who wants to get an idea of, of what this DAS actually uh, looks like to the extent that you can see it, uh, you can check out those videos on YouTube. So we've talked about DAS and, and boosting uh, cellular indoors. Let's talk about in-building Wi-Fi now. Bobby, I know you guys have done a lot of work in that space. Mm-hmm. If you could just give us an idea of the type of services AWS offers for customers looking to you know, deploy an in-building Wi-Fi solution. Yeah, in- in-building Wi-Fi has been, well, just Wi-Fi in general and, and broadband wireless has been the uh, certainly the bread and butter for AWS for a long time. And that's the space that uh, our COO, Mike Huerta, and founder, and myself come from. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have quite a bit of experience as, as that technology has evolved and matured over the last almost 20 years now of uh, stadiums as well as the hospitality mm-hmm. space, large hotels and uh, large buildings. Uh, currently, AWS has trimmed that back a little bit, and we're mm-hmm. going after more of the vertical market of DAS mm-hmm. and some of the emerging uh, LAN, uh, uh, LAN technologies. Passive optical networking is very big for our company now. But we still do Wi-Fi, uh, well, do wireless in a couple of different ways. We do the microwave wireless uh, in large wide area networks for banks and universities. Uh, the Wi-Fi nowadays that AWS specializes in is more uh, special event Mm. Uh, outdoor fairs, outdoor events, uh, the the big festival here in Austin, South by Southwest, will be very busy during that for temporary Wi-Fi for when MTV comes to town and wants to do, you know, streaming concerts, then they need some good connectivity. Mm-hmm. So the Wi-Fi we do nowadays, although we do have clients that do hotels, et cetera, uh, we're doing more special events and temporary Wi-Fi and more specialized networks. Okay, well, let me ask you, you know, based on years of experience doing these in-buildings, uh, compare and contrast the process you go through when you're deploying in new construction versus a retrofit. i got to imagine new construction is significantly more straightforward than a retrofit. Yeah, it's significantly. It's an easier workspace, obviously. Yeah. You can. It's not quite, you know, dealing with tenants and mm-hmm. and. Uh, building occupants so obviously it's much easier uh a lot of that goes without saying the walls are open so you can Mm -hmm. cable your pathways uh we do uh, a lot of both now retrofits are challenging and uh, there's some new products in fact 3m makes a new product with fiber that can be run along the molding to retrofit a building Mm -hmm. without having to find a new pathway i've got a real unique kind of adhesive backed as you can imagine it's 3m so i've got an adhesive backed uh, channel with fiber already in it. Okay. So, so that helps with some of the fiber networking on the retrofit. Uh, you know, as we as that applies to DAS, uh, again, this kind of circles back to that topic. We're finding a lot, uh, certainly in the areas where DAS is just getting more of a of a of a hold. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the building owners are coming to us for retrofits. They've not budgeted DAS. There's a couple we're working with right now in, in the state of Texas where they've not budgeted for DAS. They built these large buildings. They put up their lo- their energy efficient reflective glass on mm-hmm. the skin, and suddenly the cell phone signals go away. Mm-hmm. So we have a couple of buildings we're dealing with right now that force them into a retrofit. Mm-hmm. They're in a bit of a panic. One in particular is a high end residential condo space, high rise condos, mm-hmm. 
and they're really going for the executives and the university professors and those kind of folks and they can't rent to them if they can't get good cell service so so they're forced into the retrofit and that that becomes its own challenge we're having mm -hmm. to find pathways uh in one particular building they'll have to cut access holes so we can get up in the ceiling and mount the antennas mm -hmm. so it's significantly more challenging and it uh, virtually doubles the cost from a labor perspective yeah i think you really hit on something there is building owners not yet at least don't seem to across the board be budgeting for this stuff it, mm -hmm. it occurs to them almost instantly once the building's up but it wasn't there on the front end so it's a challenge mm -hmm. and i think uh, you know eventually i got to think within a year or two this is going to be a de rigor for new construction you know you got to have your line item in there for your right. in-building setup right all right, and you mentioned special event Wi-Fi. I want to talk a little bit about this. Uh, you and I were chatting a week or two ago, and I was recalling being at the Austin City Limits Music Festival out there in Zilker Park and then trying to get on a Wi-Fi network. There must have been 100, 200 of them set up temporarily mm -hmm. just in this, I think, 75-acre field. How do you do that? Well, um the challenges there are when you get too many networks, there's only so many open channels you right. can, you, you, can uh, you can deal with so there's a lot of interference mm -hmm. hopefully you coordinate with a lot of the other vendors what you saw at the ACL festival you mentioned is is uh, each of these entities whether it's a promotional company or a record company or some uh, uh, some man you know some retail company that wants yeah. to advertise our product they're setting up their own network so mm -hmm. it does become a challenge and frankly it can uh, almost turn into amplifier wars you can have right. the, the cleanest and the strongest mm -hmm. signal now there are rules and FCC regulates the power settings, which are followed to some degree mm -hmm. in those instances, but the, also they're not walking around shutting people down for, for too much power. So it does get to be a challenge, but if it's, if it's designed well and you have solid equipment, uh, by solid, I mean, good, good quality <laughs> equipment, then, uh, not a pitch. yeah, that wasn't a pitch, <laughs> by any means. but if you have good quality equipment and it's designed well, uh, and you set it up for capacity, mm -hmm. uh, of the anticipated users, then, then you can get past some of that. Yeah. So in, a, in an ideal deployment case for outdoor Wi-Fi, what sort of speed could the end user expect to see? Well, that's it's all over the map. Yeah. And from my experience, 5 to 10 megabits is okay. about all you're going to get uh, consistently or all you can promise. That's, that's typically mm -hmm. about all we'll want to promise someone. Okay. Now in the examples I use, like MTV coming to town and want to, wanting to stream a concert, that's more of a dedicated link. Right. We'll have dedicated bandwidth to a, de to a dedicated 100 square foot area. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot easier to give them, you know, 20, 30, 40 megabits of, of, of uplink. Mm -hmm. But in the, in the open environment, like the festival you mentioned, one to 10 megabits is all you're going to see, even if you're using 50 megabit radios. And, and just to give people uh, some perspective on that, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, about two, two and a half megabits is what it takes to stream a video? About that, okay. yeah. Any, any less than that, you're going to be choppy and right. buffering. And okay, well, and then, you know, I wanted to sort of wrap the, the show up by talking with you guys about what trends you're kind of watching from a, a field enterprise perspective. <clears throat> what do you expect customers to want in 2015, and, and is that going to be the same thing that they want in 2016? Well, 
I hope so. Yeah. (laughs) I'd like to actually touch on that. That's actually being a a forward thinking company that AWS is. um, We've really put our our boots to the ground to be sure that we're looking forward to what is going to be happening, being integrating new technologies from the carriers, um, faster speeds. uh, But also uh, we're taking a big pride, uh, taking a step and putting pride into educating, like you had mentioned, educating people, building owners, uh, contractors, making sure they understand the need, that they can plan and budget accordingly for what their needs are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think um, you know, moving forward that way, I think that that's very, very important for us as a company to be able to, to be there, to be their eyes and ears, to, to inform them of what they may not be aware of. And then as that comes also, huge public safety. Uh, we've actually met with uh, fire fire marshals. We met with folks uh, who um, were trying to make sure they, we see their need, their their real needs. You know, how many lives do we need to lose um, because they can't communicate to dispatch or with the, each other? So, uh, you know, putting that personal care, I think, is very very important to us. You know, we we're, we need to be more than making a dollar. We need to be about changing lives, and 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 I think that's going to be a big opportunity for us in 2015 and, and 2016 so dean that's an excellent point and and guys maybe we can have you back in a few months and we can talk more uh, about these kind of things but in the meantime bobby dean i really want to thank you guys for coming in and for the folks at home i want to thank you for watching Hetnet happenings <laughs>